Welcome to the Friendship Missionary Baptist Church podcast of Vallejo, California. I'm so glad that you are tuned in to Friendship Missionary Baptist Church, where we know we are the place to be. Our pastor is Justin Lester, and we're so grateful that you've tuned in to hear the word of God today. The word you're going to hear today is going to enliven you, to stretch you, to be all that God's called you to be. We believe that God has called us as Christ-led liberators to love Jesus, to heal people, to serve Vallejo, and to build community. You are in tune for a life-changing word from God today. If you want to learn more about FNBC, go to BEFNBC.org. You can give there. You can grab more information about the church and see what it means and the plan of salvation to be a part of FNBC. Now, with all that out of the way, let's just jump into the word of God and see what God has to say to us today. Hey, good evening, everybody. Good evening, friendship. I hope you guys had an amazing Wednesday, though it was a little bit rainy and gloomy. I think rain, I say this all the time, is a constant reminder that God has a really curious way of cleansing and replenishing so that we might be ensure, ensure that whatever thing we planted is going to come to pass. And that's what rain does. And so happy rainy Wednesday, rainy Tuesday. And so prayerfully, we can have a sunny rest of the week. But if we don't, I'm grateful for everything that gets washed away. Welcome into Bible study tonight. Um, we're starting a new series called Home Training. And we're going to take some time over the next couple of weeks to talk about our values here at FNBC. That, uh, you know, we talk about what it means that we value. And I'm going to talk through what values are, what vision is, what mission is tonight as well. To kind of lay a foundation and then go through the scriptures on one of our values tonight. Um, and prayerfully give some language to it um, and affirm all of you. One of the things I really want to be clear about is that sometimes when we talk about leading leadership things, we talk about values and vision. Um, I don't want anyone to feel like they're exempt from it. Uh, the goal here is to reveal that this is birthed from the people. Some are aligning, some are predictable, some are unpredictable, some are sustaining values that all of us have a part to play in the work that God is calling us to do here at FNBC, the place to be. And so I'm glad you guys are tuned in tonight as we engage in our study, engage in what God has for us. So let me get some announcements out the way really quickly. First of all, um, we're in the book of Philippians for the next couple of weeks until Pentecost, and uh, the title of the series is Unchained Gospel, and I'm preaching the book of Philippians backwards. And so Brandon did a wonderful job starting off last Sunday, preaching Philippians 4 at uh, 8 o'clock and uh, getting to Philippians 3 and 11 o'clock. The Holy Ghost came in and said, hold on, I'm going to pause you there. Uh, And so it was just a wonderful worship experience. Thank you to Brandon for doing such an amazing job and to all of you who engaged in worship and prayerfully held on to the freedom that's available in the scriptures. Um, We choose to, we spend too much time choosing to stay bound when God offers us freedom. And so I pray that you held on to the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ when God gave and granted freedom in that service on Sunday morning. So we're preaching the book of Philippians. This Sunday I'll be in Philippians 2 verses 19 through 30. And I, I like occasionally preaching books of scripture backwards. That way we can get to, especially when it comes to Paul, we can get to his application while we're trying to understand his theology. And that's what we're going to do. So I can't go backwards, can't go forward to Philippians 1 or 2. I have to stay it there and go Philippians 3 or 4. It's, it's a fun hermeneutic. It's a fun homiletical practice. And uh, I think it'll, it's fun to me. And so we have a devotional that actually goes through Philippians backwards. Starts in Philippians 4, goes Philippians 1. It's a four-day devotional. Um, and I pray that you grab a hold of it and enjoy it uh, for your personal growth in the Lord Jesus. And then secondly, um, our mom, community mom shower is coming up. So it's like a baby shower, but for moms. And so things that moms would need, gift cards, uh, 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 pads, and 
um, I think, I forgot, I don't have the exact list in front of me, but you, you have the list that comes up, uh, it's on Facebook and all of that. But try to grab something for moms and bring it to church on Sunday, place it on the altar and the bins around the church, and that we will pray over these. And on the 13th, we actually have nine moms who have signed up to be a part of our community mom shower. And so if you know any other moms who are 26 weeks or pregnant or less, we want to engage with them and offer the opportunity to celebrate moms. Babies get celebrated a lot. Moms often get forgotten. And so we want to take time on the community mom shower to celebrate the mamas in our community. And that's for anyone, saved, unsaved, part of the church, not a part of the church. If you are pregnant, 26 weeks or less, we want to give this. And then also connect them with our partnership with Luna U to give free maternal well-being up until three months postpartum. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us here and a partnership with New Dawn and uh, some work there. But let's jump into the word of God, but allow me to pray for us tonight as we do so. Father, thank you for an opportunity to talk about what you're calling us to. Thank you that you've given us vision and mission and values. Thank you that you're using us to do very dangerous work. Make it easy as we go into danger. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, like this, share this, invite somebody in. Um, and here's, let's see, what's my question of the day? What's my question of the day? How expensive is too expensive at Starbucks? No, like in the comments. Is $5 too much, $7? Like how expensive, like is it okay? Like is it ethically or morally correct to spend $10 on one cup of coffee? Because I'm looking at you like venti, caramel macchiato, double shot, almond milk, soy milk, add in two extra this, extra drizzle. I'm looking at you crazy people who spend a whole paycheck at Starbucks. Like, you can spend a whole paycheck at Whole Foods, but how expensive is too expensive when it gets morally, ethically incorrect uh, <laughs> at Starbucks? Um, yeah, you know, it's crazy because I just get a venti black coffee and add a shot in there, and it's crazy because, like, black coffee now is, like, $4.00. Um, it's just crazy. But anyway, what is that for you? All right, let's jump into the Word of God tonight. So we're going to talk about a couple things. Uh, we're talking about culture, vision, mission, and values. Culture, vision, mission, and values. So let me give some language to this. Vision is the foreseeable future given to those who trust in God. That's vision. Vision is the foreseeable future given to those who trust in God. Vision says, this is where we're headed, Habakkuk 3, for the vision, sorry, Habakkuk 2. For the vision's for the point of time, and the end shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, and it shall come to pass. Vision is the foreseeable future. So one of the things about vision when it comes to scripture, I like looking at Luke's interpretation and understanding of vision. When it comes to vision for Luke, Luke, Luke was a natural remedy doctor, right? Like Luke didn't have Advil, Luke didn't have Prilosec, Luke didn't have Aleve, Luke didn't have um, all this other stuff. Luke had natural remedies, natural things around how cilantro and parsley would work to heal people. He would grind things up and he would apply that to people. Jesus comes along and Jesus is doing the supernatural. And in the supernatural that Jesus was doing, Luke gets all convoluted, like what is going on? And that's where when Jesus would heal people, he gave them vision. You see the same thing when it came to the prodigal son. He saw himself. He had vision of himself. Vision for Luke, get this, is a glimpse of heaven. Don't miss this. So that vision is God revealing heaven to be made known on earth. Hence our mission statement, to be known in Vallejo as it is in heaven. Vision is literally God revealing heaven. So when you fight vision, you're not fighting the visionary. You're fighting heaven. And I want you to consider this when it comes to your job, when it comes to your work, when it comes to your businesses. So when we apply vision here at church, the reason it's easy sometimes to fight it is because it's a revelation of heaven, so we don't see it yet because it's been revealed to the visionary, because also it's difficult to buy into our personal visions for our lives and visions for our organizations. 
That's why one of the reasons we look at so many black organizations and black businesses and we stay stagnant and get frustrated that other people are going above us, right? It's because our visions are too small. Because whenever you have a vision that you've thought of and not a vision that's been led by God, people are always going to outdo what you think. But whenever you are letting God lead you, vision is going to continue to expand and be fleshed out because God is going to ensure he gets his children on par. So I want you to think about this. What is the vision that God has given your family? So that's a big question. So what is God calling you to in the next two to three years? I want you to think about it. What are the dreams? What are, what, are the, what are the scriptures that have been agitating you? What are the sermons that have awoken something in you? What are the people who God has surrounded you with that have opened something within you that, that you're saying, this is what God is calling me to do? Because I want you to own the vision that God has on your life. Because if you own that vision, you then will trust that God has vision for your job. God has vision for your school system. God has vision for your church. But I want you to see God has vision for you. Someone in the comments say, I have the ability to have vision. Come on, someone in the comments. I have the ability to have vision. So what's the vision statement, the purpose statement of who we are here at Friendship? We are a community of Christ-led liberators who love Jesus, heal people, serve Aleo, and build community. I want to tell you this. We are not there yet. We will get there. And when we do, this sign will change. Until we get there, we are striving to get to what God has already declared will be done. We will make known in Vallejo as it is in heaven. That's why some things get you excited when you think about Vallejo. Some things should make you frustrated when you think about Vallejo. Some things should make you agitated when you think about Vallejo. Some things should make you want to buy the property, buy the building, help that, facil- help that organization, build the organization, start it, pray over it, prayer walks. That's why there's sometimes after worship where I challenge the people, let's go down to this waterfront and pray. Let's go over by Costco and pray. Let's go to this community and pray. Let's go to the crest and pray. Because I want us to see that God is making known in Vallejo as it is in heaven if we love, heal, serve, and build. That's not just some catchphrases. That's pointed vision. That is what is going to occur in the way we get there. It's vision. Vision is for an appointed time. In the end, it will speak and it won't lie. So then the ways we do it, so vision is the future. The way we do it is our mission. So for the church, our mission is Matthew 28. To go ye therefore, baptize, teach the gospel, create disciples, right? Here's, I'm going to give you this. We're going to talk about this on Sunday. Disciples make disciples when disciples choose to make disciples. We'll let this sink in. Disciples make disciples when disciples choose to make disciples. We live in one of the most post-Christian seasons and times of the world. You guys have seen the statistics I've given you. We live in one of the most post-Christian and most unchurched regions of the country. We live in one of the most um, a post-modern era of church where people's mindsets have completely changed. Our responsibility as disciples are to be disciples who make disciples because we made a conscious decision to make disciples. The mission of the church is to reach those, to teach those, to keep those, and to train them so they can go do it themselves. The goal of the church is not to get to a number and stay there. The goal of the church is to reach whatever number that God has for it forever and eternity. That's the mission of the church, to reach, to teach, teach, to keep. Any church you go to whose mission is not Matthew 28 is, a, is, is, not Matthew 28 is a social club. 
Matthew 28 is the guiding of the church. So over the course of the year, I've been working on a mission statement that is not complete. Eventually, we'll complete our mission statement and have a finite mission statement um, that's nicer and, you know, friendshipy language. But right now, our mission statement is simply Matthew chapter 28. So as we move forward, as we proceed beyond there, there's vision, there's mission, but then there's values. And values, to me, are the pillars that keep the organization up. I know I'm using a lot of like business language, uh, but there has to be, I think if we separate the two in church, we miss out on the opportunity to see the blending and the beauty of the two in church. So Steve was sending me some stuff yesterday, some stuff he's working on, and he started off with an executive summary, and I got so excited. I was like, oh man, I love a good executive summary and SWOT analysis. Like I'm all for executive summaries because we have to merge what the world says organizations um, to be sustained so the world doesn't have to look at them also understanding that we are bigger than anything the world ever tells us to do, but we've got to know the world to change the world. So this is where we talk about vision, mission, values. So let me talk about values. There's values that we don't communicate that are just general. Like you never go to a, a humble person doesn't have to tell you they're humble, right? They're just humble. A wise person doesn't have to tell you they're wise. They're wise, um, a church ought not have to tell you that like, hey, we value prayer. I mean, what do you exist for? Hey, we value worship. What do you exist for? Like, uh, if a church tells you they're friendly, they're not friendly. If a church is to tell you like, hey, we are a church that worships, you're, you're not. Because some values are uncommunicated values. Like, the church exists to, to, be the, to be the witnesses to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus who are exalting Lord Jesus. That's literally the purpose of the church. You are organized to do those very things. Now, our values say, this is how we build. So it's coming up on the screen right now. What values say? Values ask a, answer a couple of questions. Number one, values answer why we exist. Values answer what we do. Values answer how we will succeed. Values answer what's most important. And values answer how we behave. And the sum total of those values working in conjunction with vision and mission. You can put on the screen about FNBC culture. Those things working together build culture. And you've heard me say this about culture. And I want you to see this if you want to screenshot it, whatever it is on your screen. But you've heard me talk about culture. And what culture says, this is sum total of all of this. So it's our language, it's our relationships, it's our habits, it's our calling, it's our expectations, it's, it's, it's what our measurables, it's, it's, it's all the interactions, it's all the different pieces of every single person, which is where I want you to see here. Culture is not aged. Culture is not gendered. Culture is not a boomer thing. Culture is not a millennial thing. Culture is the sum total of our norms that sustain, that give communication to our vision, our mission, and our values. And our values are the pillars, if you think about a building, are the studs in the wall that keep this building together, connected to, to the footers in the ground, so that not just if storms come, but it just keeps the building up. And so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about our values. Now, we're not all there. I want to be really clear. I want to be really clear. We're not all there. Our values are coming up on the screen. You can see all of our values that are on the red signs as you walk out the building. And we're going to talk about reaching who no one reaches by doing what no one is doing. But we have five concrete values that are birthed out of who you are, birthed out of what God has shown us as a church, and birthed out of, listen, raising the bar and then keeping the bar. And that is not an insult. I really want to be clear. There's nothing that I'm saying trying to insult anyone. I want you all to see that in the midst of all these values, in the midst of the four pieces of our vision, you are a part of it. You are driving it. You are the necessary cog in the wheel. The goal for me as a leader 
And the goal for me in the way we staff, the goal for me in the way that we bring people on to um, 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 lay leadership is to ensure that in due season, every person in this church holds on to and is working diligently to fulfill these values and to live out the mission and the vision of the church. So some of us, you're doing one, you're doing one part of our vision statement. You are loving Jesus and you are over here making excellence your calling card, but you don't want to reach certain people for Jesus. My responsibility as your pastor is to open your heart up to reach those no one's reaching, reaching people far from God. Some of you over here, you want to heal people. You really do. You are working diligently to heal people. I, I acknowledge and honor that truth. God has called you to heal people, and you are giving generously, but there, you don't want to be the church to be excellent. This is where we're working. There's a slide that's coming up. It's about employees and about satisfaction. I want you to see this. So there's three types of employees in, in, in business, and I want you to see this and apply this to the local church. 13% of people, and this comes from, uh, I think it was, not Lifeway, it was, uh, I think it was Urban Ministries Research. Um, there's, um, there's 13% of people um, who are actively disengaged, all right, actively disengaged. They are aware of what's going on, but they are intentionally disengaged from the work. When it comes to your job, I want you to think about this with people that you work with. 13% are actively disengaged. They're just there, probably going to get fired or just simply hold it on because you know, the, 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 the job got to keep them, just whatever, you know, whatever. Then there's 53% of people who are satisfied. A mass majority of people were just coasting. We're satisfied. We're here, ain't going nowhere. We just here. And then 34% are engaged. I want you to see 63, 66% of people when it comes to their jobs, as well as the same stats to me apply to church, are actively disengaged or just coasting and satisfied. That's why when we have the opportunity to clean up the community, the 34% came. When we had an opportunity to go out into the community and to do some work, 34% came. We had the opportunity to do some work to volunteer for our Easter egg hunt, 34% came. We did some things inside of our church. We call for volunteers, the 34% show up. When we talk about giving, the 34% give. And then 66% of our attendees, of our members, our engagers, are just actively disengaged or satisfied. You have a place to go if your life gets hard. You have a place to go when life gets difficult. Or you have a place to go because, you know, your mama's visiting, you need to show her, you got a church home that you go to. Actively disengaged or just satisfied. I want you to consider this. What if... 66% of the work of Jesus was actively disengaged or dissatisfied in your life. Like, I want you to consider, like, what if Jesus, what if you were sitting there literally praying and Jesus only listened to 34% of your prayers? What if Jesus only talked to you 34% of the time? Like, I want us to put in perspective. Imagine, we talked about this in our business meeting back in December, that we had, we were literally living off of, as a congregation, 36 people who were giving consistently to the church. Now, we're not there now. I want to honor, let me pause here really quickly. Um, I want to honor that that number has drastically grown. And so many of you have engaged financially in our church. I am so grateful for so many of you who have taken the mantle and the challenge to grow our ministry here at Friendship. You trusted me as your leader. To ex- I mean, a God is in the blessing business here at Friendship. Someone put clapping emojis in the comments because our generosity is expanding. I want to challenge our volunteer leadership. Brandon called for 16 people who are going to volunteer for our youth and and children's ministry so we can get them to every single Sunday by the end of the year. If you are interested in doing so, comment yes right now. Come on, in the comments. If you are interested in working with our youth and children, comment yes right now. 
because I want to move us where 53% of us are engaged. 34% of us are just satisfied and actively disengaged. That's just life. So I want to move those numbers around. That gets to today, right? So when you think about our values, when you think about our vision, when you think about our mission, now we're getting to one of the value statements today. I'm almost finished. So our first value statement I want to engage in today is the value statement that says we will reach those no one reaches by doing what no one is doing. And that goes to First Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 32. Now, I want you to consider this as we get into this value statement today. When you hear me say that, we will reach those, we will do anything sort of sin to reach those who are far from God. We will reach those that no one is reaching by doing what no one is doing. Who is that for you? And by that, we can talk about, I think there's different segments, right? So on one side, we have the least lost, left out, left behind, those individuals who we look at and say they're far from God, or I have to serve them, right? That's, that, in some cases, that's the homeless. I'm going to serve the homeless, but I don't, want, I, don't want, I, I, I don't want the tent city that's a mile from here to just all come to church on Sunday. But if they come for us to serve them and I can keep some distance from them, then they can come. I was at a church, I was serving at a church in Nashville, and uh, we had homeless outreach every Tuesday, every Wednesday. And uh, part of my responsibility as an intern was to lead that homeless outreach. And Pastor Buchanan, whose pastor is now deceased, he told me, he said, Justin, you're not going to preach here for a year, you're going to work with seniors, and you're going to work with the homeless. And I was like, bet, don't worry about it, man. Because I was like, you don't let me preach anyway. He did not let me preach for a year. I worked with the homeless and seniors for an entire year. And in the midst of doing all of that, here's what Dr. Buchanan taught me. We had a homeless person show up to church, and every one of us, myself included, scattered. We just ran away. We did not. We were like, hold on. We serve you on Tuesday. We serve you on Wednesday. Why are you coming into our circle on Sunday? Because you're supposed to be the least the lost left out that we serve, not the least the lost left out that we worship Jesus with. Who is that for you? That you're like, I'll serve. So I'll serve the sex workers, but I don't want them to come to church. I'll serve the homeless, but I don't want them. I'll serve the bartender. I'll tip the bartender, but I don't want the bartender to come to church. Because they'll show people a side of my life that I don't want. Who's that for you? Secondly, who, maybe for some of us, the people we don't want to reach are the people you work with. Because for church, is it escape for you from the world? So I'll bring this so we're not your cup of tea flyer because pastor says this to evangelism at work and I'll tell you to go to all these other churches but don't come here because I shout here and I don't want you to know me. Maybe there's a, remember your workplaces are a place of worship. That Sunday morning is the overflow of your worship throughout the week. So I want my my coworkers to come to church because that means we are then going to shift the entire atmosphere of our workplace. But maybe for some of us, we talk about reaching those who no one wants to reach it's the people you work with. For some of us, reaching people we, no one wants to reach, reaching those who are far from God, are reaching literally people we are intimate with, our husbands, our wives, our children, our cousins. That's why you hear me say all the time, I want to empty homes, not churches. And I've gotten so much pushback on that statement. I don't want church hoppers. I don't want to compete with churches. We're trying to build one kingdom because there's homes that are empty. There's, there's, there's information, on, the information on, on Christian faith here in our, our community. 
Church, there's too many people who don't know Jesus that I'm not going to compete with other churches to empty their churches to get people here. Coming up on the, um, so coming up on the screen is about Vallejo. Actually, I'll get to this later. So th- this is where, who's the least, who are those people for you that you don't want God to bring to your church? Who are those people for you that you don't want God to bring into worship? Who are those people that you're saying, God, I don't want them to be here. I don't want them to be a part of my church. This is where God is saying, listen, I want us to reach those who no one is reaching by doing what no one is doing. Every church has the same worship order. Every church got the same church colors. Every church deacon got the same black suit, white shirt, black tie, red tie on first Sunday if you're nasty. Every church got the same deaconess wearing the same outfits. Every church has the same ushers, the same usher uniforms that are across the country. Every church got the same choir robes ordered from Murphy Robes to come to church to wear. Every church got the same 12 songs on Spotify and YouTube that we're going to sing. So why not sing original music? Because I don't want to agitate the same place of heaven that all other churches across the country are agitating. We have so many talented people in our choir. Why not sing new music and original music? I want to do what no one else is doing. I don't want to get the same return. I don't want deacons that wear the same clothes every week. Why? Why would I want to leave from my church and go someplace else but, and, ag- and get the same peace? That's why, like, there's a church, my childhood church, when I go back to Milwaukee, I laugh because it has not changed. It's the same thing it was in 1996. I know exactly what time to show up to not have to sing the morning hymn off key because it has not changed since 1996. But culture has, life has, scripture has evolved. We've learned more about Jesus. We've learned, we've unpacked things. People have learned more about who God is. Our communities have changed and evolved. So must the church. So those people are not the, all the broke people, the homeless people, the sex workers, the strippers. They're not, that's not the only people that God is calling us to reach. He's calling us to reach them. He's also calling us to reach your coworkers, to reach your children, to reach your husband, to reach your wife, to reach your friends, to reach your sister girl club, to reach your group me chat, to reach your WhatsApp chat, to reach your social media pages. God is calling us to reach those who no one is reaching by doing what no one is doing. Church ought to be an unforgettable experience at the feet of God. So what does that mean? Well, First Chronicles 12 and 32 gives us this scripture and it says these words. Man, from Issachar, men who understood the signs of the times, and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. I want you to see this in the text. David is running from Saul. Here's the thing about Saul. Saul was, a, was, was, was the king of Israel for 40 years. He was anointed for two years. I want this to sink in. God fired Saul, but let him keep on working. May God never fire us. And let us keep on working without his power. Saul's vision got so convoluted that he now spent most of his work not building up Israel, not protecting Israel, not caring for Israel, but trying to attack and to kill David. In the midst of all of this, David then begins to, people begin to form an army around David in 1 Chronicles. 
And the army he found around David is to be armed for war, to be armed for whenever that Saul was going to do. They were trained, they were accounted for, and the chronicler who's just giving us numbers and names, all Chronicles is numbers and names. Chronicler's giving us numbers and names, and he's giving us numbers and names to keep this, because here's the goal. The responsibility of this army knew the anointing and the calling of David and that the Messiah was going to come through the lineage of David. They said, our responsibility, our calling, is to protect smooth ground for the Messiah to show up. And they cared so much about the Messiah showing up that there was an entire army. The scriptures tell us, if you read First Chronicles 12, you have the, the, you have, um, you have, what's it? You have the children of Judah who were part of the 6,800 children of Judah. You had 7,100 of Simeon. You had 4,600 of Levi. You had 3,700 of the Aaronites. You had, um, you had the young men, um, Eleazar. You had the heads of the courts of the priests who were brought by 24. You had the tribe of Benjamin of 3,000. You had the tribe of Ephraim of 20,800. You have the tribe of Manasseh at 18. And then you had Issachar. So you had all these people who were valiant, wise fighters, people who were going to protect and care for. And then came Issachar. Now, I like Issachar because Issachar were people of men of knowledge and understanding. What the, we believe they like knew was remember the, um, the, the, the three wise men who came? Well, the, the scriptures tell us when we talk about the wise men, they were astrologers. They would connect the dots on the times because they believed that you saw God mostly in the stars. So the sons of Issachar were people of astrology and chronology. These individuals were wise. They knew the years. They knew the months. And they were predicting the times of which the Messiah was going to come. Their whole responsibility was to create a safe landing place for the Messiah by protecting Israel by giving them vision. That's the whole goal of the sons of Issachar. They would protect Israel because they were keeping the land safe for the Messiah to come. They were skilled in the stars. They were skilled in the air. They were skilled in weather. And these individuals used their skill to give political prudence, discernment, and embrace every season so that all of Israel would be welcome when the Messiah came. Vision for them was not just to be used to build their bank account, to make them feel good, to go viral on TikTok. Vision for them was so that every person in Israel would be ready for the coming of the Messiah. We reach those no one reaches by doing what no one's doing, by watching the stars, by looking at the community, by seeing the signs of the time. Another translation says this, that the sons of Issachar saw around the corner that while everyone else is looking one way, the sons of Issachar saw the enemies coming around the corner. They saw culture around the corner. They saw what was coming around the corner. They saw the new commentary around the corner. They saw the new social media. They saw chat GBT around the corner. They saw, they saw the ethics behind artificial intelligence around the corner. They saw prototyping. They, they, saw, they, they saw things around the corner. They saw what's going on in our community, our social ethic, our, our love ethic. They saw what was around the corner so that, hear me, the sex workers in Israel, the poor in Israel, the disenfranchised in Israel, the homeless in Israel, the young in Israel, the old in Israel, the, the rich in Israel, the poor in Israel, would be ready for one person, the Messiah. We could talk about the army, but are you a sign seer? Do you want all of Israel to meet Jesus? So how do you do that? Well, first of all, you gotta know how to connect the dots. 
They were literally gap fillers. I had a conversation yesterday with our new members team, had a wonderful conversation. And I talked to them about how when people join churches, it's not the pastor, it's not the the announcements, it's not the connection card. People join church because people fill the gap of connecting people from what's in the world to what's in scripture because I see it in your flesh. I see you showing me Jesus and I want to follow that because I want to do that too. Issachar, they were gap fillers. They saw the stars. They connected the gaps, so connected the dots. So let me ask you, when you think about the gaps in Vallejo that are keeping people separate from Jesus, what are those gaps? What are the gaps that you see? Not the ones that you can see, like the ones, ostensive ones way out there, but what are the gaps that you can literally look at Vallejo and say, this is what's keeping people separate from God? Is it drive times to work? See, I'm not not talking about sex, drugs, and alcohol. Is it how long it takes us to get to work? We're going to talk about this in a second. But did you know that the average Vallejoan drives 36.9 minutes to get to work? So for, for me as a pastor to mandate us to have everything in person... When you have gone to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, you've, dry, you've driven to work then, so you get to work at 8 o'clock, you left your, you left your house about four, 36 minutes before that, so you left your house at 724, so you've been gone all day, get home, get your kids, drive there, get them something to eat, and then come all the way out here at 7 o'clock. It's hard for me to do it, and i got a 5-year-old. It's, it's difficult. It, so I want you to put in context here. We have to see the signs of the time. It's on the screen right now about Vallejo. I want to walk through some of the statistics from the 2020 census. I want you to see this. I want you to take a snapshot of this. I want us to see this truth about Vallejo. Vallejo has grown from April 2010 to, April, to July 2021. We've actually gone up 2,000 more uh, as of the statistics I read yesterday. There are 43,863 households in Vallejo with 2.8 people per household. I want that to sink in. That means that's either like one parent, two children, um, three friends, two parents, one child. The average household, that means half of our households have more, half of our households have less, have 2.8 people per household. So when you hear us talk about the importance of children's ministry, literally to have our kids in here with the parent, as we're talking through some of the topics we're talking to, we literally are exempting a third of the average household in Vallejo from engaging in Jesus. That's why we need 16, Brandon, 16 volunteers, right? 16? 16 volunteers to be a part of our children's ministry because we're seeing the signs of the time. Once you see this, Vallejo is well-educated. That's why there's a certain language I use. 27% of people in Vallejo have college and graduate degrees. 88% are high school graduates. So there's certain work we're doing that is not saying we're going to dumb the gospel down or dumb our ministry down. We're going to continue to raise the bar and keep the bar. So that's why we're talking about, like, we want you to tutor our children because a fourth of us in the room are college educated or higher, and 88% of us have graduated from high school. Like, I'm not ever, I'm not speaking down to anyone. The reason I speak so bluntly and intentionally is because I know our congregation loves and knows it. So it's not a traumatizing piece. I'm not trying to trigger anyone. I want us to see, like, no, I'm calling us up to what God says about us. We are amazing people. Vallejo is in a phenomenal community. So I want us to see here that we are educated, powerful people. And then the other piece too, so people acting like y'all know how to take pictures on your phone. 96% of households in Vallejo have a computer. You can email, hallelujah somebody. You can watch online, hallelujah somebody. 90, and not just that, but 92% of the households in Vallejo got broadband, high-speed internet. 
So y'all can download the videos and download the church app, and when we start doing augmented reality projection, you got the technology. So I'm not even worried about some of the stuff we're already, that's why Steve and I, Steve, here's a sign for you. We've got the future in our hands because 96% of people in our community got all the technology we need to project augmented reality and holograms into their homes. And the church said amen. So Steve, run on all the holograms and whatever else we can do because we already have the high-speed internet in the home. Here's what I want to get to, to the ages in Vallejo, more signs. The ages in Vallejo, I want you to see this. 21% of people in Vallejo are under the age of 18. 63% of people in Vallejo are between the ages of 18 and 64. And 21%, the rest, are 65 plus. There is a massive community when it comes to Gen X and millennials here in Vallejo. Because they're here. Vallejoans, we we are, we are, this is the work that God's called us to. We have work to do with our children and we have work to do with a mass amount of people, when, 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 not, when only, I believe it's like one in five go to church once a month. We got some work to do. When it comes to ethnic demographics, 28% of people, the highest, the majority population ethnically in Vallejo is Hispanic. So I had a conversation with some, some brothers. We, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine churches within like two blocks of friendship. Nine churches. Nine, I want that. Nine churches. And I was talking to a young man who does a landscaping. He lives across the street. And he said, there are three apartment complex properties that I told about your afternoon Sunday um, Hispanic, Spanish-speaking worship. And no other church around here within walking distance wants us to come or is offering an opportunity to have Spanish-speaking worship. 28% of our population is Spanish-speaking. I love being a historically black church, but the sign of the time says we have to be a Spanish-speaking church as well. We've had people come to church since I've been here that want to sense this Holy Ghost in the room and literally will interpret the entire sermon to a group of people while we're in worship. So four o'clock on Sundays, um, we're looking at, and I haven't put the final times on, we have meetings that are starting with people, but eventually we're going to start a Spanish-speaking worship service Sign of the time. You see the rest, Asian Americans are 23%, 23% are white, 19% are black. The median age in our city, 36.8%. 11% of Vallejo residents are in poverty. So we talk about outreach. 11% are in poverty. So we have to do ministry not only to the 11%, but to the 89% who aren't. So how do we manage money? Signs of the time. How do we manage money? How do we grow wealth? How do we reduce debt? How do we teach good debt for a purpose, a certain amount of time? How do we raise credit scores? 11%, not the entire community. 11% of our community lives in poverty. 89% does not. How do we teach wealth building in black communities? And then lastly, the average time to get to work is 36 minutes. So these are just signs of the time that I want us to see when it comes to Vallejo and that all of us have a part to play. And if that's what God is calling you to do to help see and discern the signs of the times, I want you to see this. I want one more screen to come up. I just want to give a lot of data. I'm a data-driven person. So the screen's going to come up right now about statistics in the black church. So we're talking about black church statistics. I want us to see here what people in the black church are interested in. And so first of all, when it comes to the black church and comes to unchurched perspective, I want you to see, so these are people, if we're talking about reaching those, reaching, uh, seeing around the corner, seeing 
seeing into individuals. This is a conversation that Barna Research had with black church-going participants from across the country. I was a part of this research as well from three years ago as COVID was happening. I was a part of this research. I'm actually in the book when you read it, um, the, uh, what unchurched people say. And they asked the question to unchurched people, is there anything you did not enjoy about your experience in the black church? Number one, the approach to money. That's the reason why I don't talk about like tie, 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 give, 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 extra offering, extra offering. This is our period of generosity. Because I don't like, like the same statistics show, 58% of pastors don't like talking about money either. I don't like talking about money either. We got to keep the lights on, but I don't like it either, <laughs> right? And neither do people coming to church. That we'll see in a second that that applies to church people as well. 30% of people that come to church, unchurched, far from God, don't like the approach to money. Bam, 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 money, 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 pay bills, pay bills. So here's what we ought to do, and I want to challenge you to do. Give 10%. If every person in this church gave 10% of their income, man, generosity moments, I could literally do it at the end of worship as we're walking out. If every person, if 50% of people in our church gave 10% in accordance to the word of God. And if you're saying, I don't like the Old Testament, then the New Testament, Jesus said, Paul came back and said, give all. If you're going to go to New Testament perspective of giving, give all. So we take the easy road out when it comes to giving. Here's the old covenant, give 10%. But if you want a new covenant, man, bring it all. My prayer is to be the biggest giver in my church. That's my prayer. I want to give 90 and live off 10. That's where I want to get to. That's my prayer. But the, the approach to money has been so convoluted. And people have taken money. People have burned people of money. Reason people leave churches and call it church hurt is approach to money. That's why we talk about money differently. But I also am grateful for those of you who do trust us that I want to raise the bar when it comes to generosity in our world as well. Number two, the service itself that comes to music styles, preaching styles. Number three, the congregation's dynamics of makeup. Whenever a congregation is too leaning towards one generation or the other, it falls apart. And, and, and don't, mm, before, let me just get this out the way. Do not tell me, Pastor Justin, all you do is care about young people. I'm gonna get to this Gen Z thing in a second. That's not the truth at all. But where's the do wanna say? The dynamics and makes up of a congregation, if it's only a service for kids or only a service for seniors, the church will die. Unchurched people, are coming in looking for one thing, Jesus. And if we get too consumed with genre and styles, we'll lose people. There's a reason why Old Navy and Gap are the same company, but there are people who will only go to Old Navy. People will only go to the Gap. But when you get that credit card, it is the same company. The same people make the same clothes and just put a Gap tag on it. Are we giving people Jesus or are we so consumed with him this week, song this week, Maverick City this week? This Because if we get concerned on genre, some people are going to see us as Old Navy and they'll go someplace else to go to, go to the gap. And we'll continue to keep people away from church. Or are we giving people Jesus? If we give people Jesus, it doesn't matter what tags on the pants, they're pants. Right? Fourthly, church leadership. Poor leadership will destroy churches no matter what, which is why I used to be very intentional about staffing, how I protect my staff. I will never chastise my staff from this desk. I will challenge them in private. I'll celebrate them in public. Same thing with lay leadership. Church leadership speaks a lot because if they see a leader killing people across the desk, they'll know that you'll kill them too. 
Next, church member, community, and culture. It gets back to the dynamics of the church. Do you, the church is only as big as the community she serves, and then some people said nothing else. The last one I want to give you, and I'm going to give you my last little reflection. So I hope this is helping someone. This is just language for me. Lastly, the other part of this is they talked about um, different things, reasons why people come to church and don't go to church when it comes to different generations. When it comes to Gen Z, the reasons that Gen Z uh, loves to stay in church, the length of service not being forever, and then having programming for teens. You'll come up on the screen there just about the reason people come to church. So Gen Z, 19% of Gen Z said they need programs for teens. Gen Z does not want to be in the big church. That's why, this is I think the fourth time I've said it, we need 16 volunteers <laughs> to build our children's ministry because we will lose the next generation if they have to come into the big church. But they love the, the leadership of leaders, the leadership of the pastor, they want a short church service, and they need some for themselves. You also see there opportunities for LGBTQ communities. Gen Z, black Gen Z. This is not a white survey. This is a black survey. Black Gen Z wants to see what we think about cultural issues, namely LGBTQ. And here's what I want to say very clearly about this. I've talked about a little bit before. I'll get into this again. Matter of fact, the young adult group is going to have topical stuff. These are one of the topics we'll talk about. I want everyone to have an opportunity to encounter Jesus, even the people you think that Jesus would try to destroy. Here's the issue, and I'm going to talk about this on Sunday more. We live in a culture where doctrine is bigger than Jesus. Doctrine was written by a bunch of white men trying to explain the scriptures. Jesus is Jesus. Our next generation is trying to understand what does that mean for culture? What does that mean for what I see? Because remember this, it's not just saying, like, Pastor Justin, don't talk about culture. When you go to any university, when you go to any school, they're talking about diversity and inclusion. But when you come to church, be separate. We've got to have intentional, biblical conversation for our next generation to understand. These are signs of the time. This is why we need 16. If that's you want to volunteer for our kids' ministry, comment yes in the comment section. And Bran, get every person who commented yes and message them, whatever we need to do. Um, to, to all of that because we've got to get our kids out of this so they can talk about this stuff and then so we can get past culture and get to Jesus. You guys see the rest of here. Millennials want the, the length of worship, talking about approach to money. They also want programs for kids. The reason millennials want programs for kids, we got kids and we don't feel like worshiping with our kids. We want to kick our kids out. Gen X, approach to money, length of service and technology. Boomers, approach to money, use of technology and programs for teens. I want you to see this stuff, the signs of the times. I'm finished. The signs of the times tell us that these are the things that are coming down the pipeline. These are the things that are happening. And if God has called you to have vision when it comes to church and the work in the body of Christ, if we're going to reach those no one is reaching by doing what no one is doing, we got to see around the corner. So here's how you can act, ask yourself as we grow in our own values. Number one, what frustrates you? When it comes to people who don't know Jesus, what frustrates you? What agitates your soul? Right? Number two, where has God awakened your spirit to do something? Like greatly consider, where are the areas in your life, in your existence, where God has awakened your spirit to do something? And then thirdly, who are those people? I don't want them to come to church. I don't want to take Jesus to them. I don't want to have a gospel conversation with them. I, I, if I get to heaven, they're not there, I'll be okay with it. Who are those people? This is not, and I don't want you to mishear me. I don't want to leave out of here and misinterpret it. This whole series and this first session is not a ploy about generations. 
This is not a ploy about me trying to change a bunch of stuff. This is me saying, church, when we look at Vallejo, we look at our world, we look at what Gen Z, millennials, boomers, Gen Xers, and builders are telling us, we see the signs of the time. And if we don't change to engage that, we're literally asking to kill ourselves. May God prick our hearts to reach those. So this is, this, this is, this is, this is, this, 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 over the course of our world and our movements, we have moved from post-modernity to modernism, from modernism to post-modernity, where now people value authenticity over excellence. They value experience over proposition. They value mystery over solution. They value diversity over uniformity. And they value the journey over the destination. Our responsibility, there are changes that have come to evangelism. No one's going door to door anymore, especially now COVID happened. Even the, even the Jehovah Witnesses don't even talk anymore. They just sit with the booklets out there and let you approach them. Social media literally is our new newspaper. Did you know that Gen Z, their search engine is not Google, it's TikTok? Millennial search engine is YouTube. Boomer search engine is Facebook. That people don't go to websites. So like pastor update the website. People don't go to websites, they go to Facebook. They go to YouTube. They go to TikTok. So why do we have phones and cameras out during worship? Because we're trying to reach those that no one is reaching by doing what no one is doing. Children's ministry doesn't look the same. Young adult ministry. I know there's some things you all have heard about, about young adult ministry. It is not the same as young adult ministry when I was a, a, a kid because we are doing church differently to engage and reach people who are far from God and keep them together. So this isn't easy. Reaching those no one reaches by doing what one is doing is not easy. But we have a heavy burden to do the work, to lean on the trust of God, and to trust Jesus that we will give up our personal preferences because we want someone to meet Jesus. And when I say personal preferences, it's not me attacking anybody. I want to be really, really clear. I am not attacking your preferences. If it were up to Justin, this is just me looking at Justin. If it were up to Justin, we would sing Ty Tribbett and one of the first three hymns in the hymnal. Not the rest. I only like the first three. All hail the power, come thou font, right? I like old pipe organ hymns. I'm an I'm a old pipe organ. I, this Hammond thing is too new school for me. Y'all think I'm kidding. This Hammond thing is too new school for me. I like pipe organ hymns, lined pipe organ hymns. I'm old school in that way. And then after you sing a line pipe organ hymn, I want to sing Ty Tribbett. You know how messed up that worship would be? You sing the all hail the power. Then um, I was sing. I mean, it would just be the weirdest worship service. Then I want to hoop every Sunday. I want to hoop every Sunday. I want you to come out and sing the first song in robes, the second song in skinny jeans, and then I want a robed preaching sermon to hoop and holler for 45 minutes. And then like, you know, you got to raise an offering and go home. That's what I would want. Is that a service you would come to? No, it's terrible. So my preferences are going away. Oh man, my preferences are gone. So it's not me saying you give up your preferences. This is us saying, I want to do this. I want to make known in Vallejo as it is in heaven. I want to give people the space to know that this is a place that you can come every single Sunday to reach people that no one is reaching. Brandon, you can come forward to give next steps. So I want to reach people that no one's reaching. That means we have a donkey on Palm Sunday. We have a dunk tank in a, in an Easter program. We have, we have a, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, we have a, we have a bull outside. We're riding, doing things that no one is doing. You ain't got to pay to go to the zoo. We bring the zoo to you. You gotta go get ice cream at the church. We got ice cream here. You have to go find food trucks. We got food trucks here. We wanna do things that no one is doing so that these people who are in Vallejo that you live next to, you go work to, know 
that Jesus is here. So here's what I want to do. So it's not my voice. Brandon's going to come and give you some next steps, some challenges, some questions to ask you, and then he'll pray us out tonight. I pray this helps you. We'll be here next, next Wednesday as well, and we'll go through our next value statement as we continue the journey on home training as we go through our values. So Brandon, take it away in terms of next steps. Thank you. Amen. Friendship, ask yourself several questions. What is the current landscape of your life? Do you remember what was God's idea, God's divine design for your life before life happened? What are some of the current gaps? What are some of the current challenges that have presented itself? What, what are some of your frustrations? What are some of your passions, your burdens that you have for those around you or your community and even your church? How are you managing your mind, the health of your finances, the health of your relationships, your body, and even your goals? Let me give you these scriptures to meditate on. I'm going to pray for you. And we'll see you same time, same place here for midweek Bible study. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11, the New Living Translation. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Psalm 20, verse 4. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Proverbs 15, verse 22, Proverbs 16, verse 3, and Psalm 90, verse 17. What are some other action items? There are plenty of opportunities for you to get involved here at your church. We begin with our children and youth, but there are plates for our men as well. If you want an opportunity to learn about ways that you can get involved in your church, I want you to type, I'm in, I'm in. And one of our uh, connection team members are going to connect with you this week, and we'll share with you those opportunities for where you can get involved in the vision, in the life, the idea of heaven here at Friendship, here in Vallejo, as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of our value. You care about us so much that you want to express your idea, yourself, through us to the world. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your investment in us. Help us to value that simply by receiving that which you've already given. Now, Lord, help us to steward it. Help us to invest even in ourselves to make sure that we are presenting forth the best of what's in us. Thank you for opportunities. Thank you for connections. Thank you for resources. Thank you for relationships that allow what you put in us to blossom into what you desire. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week, same time, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Midweek Bible Study. God bless.
Well, thank you for listening to the FNBC podcast. We pray the word of God reached you where you are to bring you where God needs you to be. If you're listening to this today, you don't have a relationship with Christ. We want to take a moment to bring you through the ABCs of salvation. ABCs of salvation are simply admit, believe, confess, and demonstrate. And then we'll pray the prayer of salvation. Are you ready? First of all, we admit. We admit that we are sinners. We admit that we are sinners. That means I've done something or I am someone who's far from God. Sin is not this whole thing of sex, drugs, and alcohol only. Sin is literally saying, this is what has distanced me from the love of Christ. Today, I'm admitting that I've distanced myself from Christ's love, and I want Christ's love in my life. Then number two, I admit that I believe. I believe in Christ. I believe that Christ can cleanse me of all unrighteousness and all of the sin in my life. And if you believe that, then thirdly, we confess. We confess our need for God. The writer of Romans tells us we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts the Lord Jesus, we are saved. And today, if that's you confessing that, we are excited for you. And lastly, you demonstrate that. You demonstrate that the act of baptism and becoming a part of a local church to grow and bloom and blossom to all God's called you to be. Allow me to pray for you if you are going down the steps of salvation. Just simply repeat after me. Say, God, I come in Jesus' name. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that you are God. I confess my need for you in my life. And today, I will demonstrate that by giving my life over to you. Use me in your service and I will be there with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so excited. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, it's called the Prayer of Salvation. We would love for you to be a part of the work that God is doing wherever you are. If you're in California, we'd love for you to be a part of Friendship After Church. And if you're across the country, we'd love for you to be part of whatever church you're a part of. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, we want you to be saved and be connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're interested in learning more about Friendship, go to our website, befnbc.org. You can give us a call at 707-648-2005 or find us online at BEFNBC um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and TikTok. Listen, have an amazing day. Know this, that God has smiled on you. You are somebody. Now go live into who you are. Have a great day.